Welcome back to the Atem podcast. My name is Andrew Clark, and this is the place to be to catch up on what you missed at the 2021 edition of the online 24 hours of Atem. So, for this seventh episode, we will cover turning up OTT services in the cloud. Let's start the engines. Welcome to our next session here on the 24 hours of a TEM. Uh, in this session, uh, I'm your moderator, Andy Audet. I happen to be based in uh, Boston, Mass. Just so everybody knows, our uh, Zoom guidelines here, everything is basically disabled except for a Q&A, which we certainly encourage uh, lots of Q&A uh, questions. So let me share my screen. So we're talking about video in the cloud and turning up OTT services in the cloud with uh, live services, a big focus. Uh, in this session, we're gonna start with some trends and changes happening in the industry and customers and how people like Google, um, you know, see this direction taking place in, uh, uh, in media and entertainment. Uh, then we'll review a little bit more specifically on some use cases and OTC services and, uh, you know, sort of the conclusion at the end, which we'll say in the beginning is, you know, once you go to the cloud, will you ever come back? So I want to announce, I'll jump ahead, announce our panelists. So I'm glad to have Albert Lai from uh, Google with us. He's the director of OTT Streaming Solutions. Um, Albert's based in uh, Los Angeles and he's uh, spent the last 20 years in the digital video both as a technology provider and building and operating OTT services. So thanks for joining us, uh, Albert, and we look forward to your participation. And also with us is one of my colleagues from ATEM, Yannick Brugno. Uh, Yannick is a senior solutions engineer with us. Uh, he has been with ATEM just over for a little bit of a year now. He's located in New York. Uh, he's worked in the uh, video processing and delivery industry for over 15 years in roles from post-sales to pre-sales, and uh, spends a lot of focus uh, on cloud workflows uh, over the most recent years of his career. So uh, look forward to an interesting uh, session here. And I am going to advance it to the first slide and then hand the controls over to Albert to get started. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Andy. Um, can you hear me all right? Yes, we can. Um, Hello, everyone. Um, you know, thanks for, for joining us today for the session. Um, as, as Andy said, I'll be starting the session um, with kind of a broader uh, industry um, overview, uh, giving you some insights as to the factors um, that are driving both media companies and Google's investment in products and solutions for the media and entertainment industry. Let me see, I think we advanced. Let me see if I can uh, get control back here for a second. I think there's just a second delay, Thanks. unfortunately. Uh, so one in four television minutes is now streamed. And as many of you know, there's been an explosion in content production. Uh, numbers from 2019, we saw 7% year over year growth in scripted television originals, you know, resulting in increased expenses for streaming companies. And according to a report by Cisco, video streaming will represent 82% of all consumer internet traffic in 2022, up from about 75% in 2017. And if we think of this in you know, Jeffrey Moore's adoption life cycle, uh, direct-to-consumer has effectively crossed the chasm into the mainstream. This is something that many of us um, here at, at Google talk about. If you think about the past 18 months, we've seen the launch of you know, Apple TV, Discovery Plus, Disney Plus, HBO Max, and Peacock, and Paramount Plus. In the spirit of 24 hours of ATEM, it's launching in literally 24 hours. And so while we may feel the industry is kind of where it was meant to be, um, the journey really has been full of twists and turns. And you know, how many of us, um, you know, here today, how many of us would have believed a year and a little bit more without meeting any of our industry peers at NAB or South by or Mobile World Congress and IBC? So the shift to a 
direct-to-consumer paradigm um, you know, is the fundamental force driving transformation in the industry. And traditionally, um, the, the journey of media content from creator to consumer followed a fairly fixed path of distribution with very limited flexibility. But with the advent of wireless broadband and the proliferation of screens and devices, uh, that traditional distribution path has been disrupted, allowing for you know, incredible consumer choice. You know, major film studios have launched blockbuster movies and direct-to-streaming uh, premieres in parallel with theatrical releases. And every major sports league globally is investigating and developing their own direct-to-consumer strategy. And so the direct-to-consumer paradigm has affected the entire media value chain. And so this shift really means that media organizations must think differently about their relationships with the audience. They need to better understand their consumers. They need to forge direct one-to-one -one connections to meet those changing expectations and behaviors. And today's streaming audiences um, now have access to more choice and freedom in their entertainment options. And viewers have shown both a preference to stack multiple services and also a higher propensity to churn. And so as the pandemic affects discretionary spending, these audiences are gonna to look to save on entertainment costs, you know, making subscription services um, like the ones uh, we talked about earlier, making those more attractive than traditional pay television. And as well as uh, you know, driving an increase in the adoption of ad supported services. And so this competition for attention leads to the need for personalization to stay relevant and keep consumers engaged. And as this conventional distribution model, um, as these are being disrupted, the media companies and consumers are no longer constrained to all those prior content formats and content types and content experiences. And the operating structure of the business means the transition from conventional distribution to direct to consumer OTT. And this transition uh, can be expensive. Uh, you know, most traditional media companies making the transition um, have to maintain both the traditional business while actively investing in developing and growing their direct consumer OTT businesses. And as such, the industry is facing strong financial challenges. You know, profitability is in decline across the industry. We see media companies needing to increase their flexibility and agility in embracing multiple different business models, whether it's ad-supported, subscription, transactional, or a hybrid combination. And these companies are challenged by the payback period for generating ROI and just the overall risk of this transformation. And if you think about COVID-19, um, the pandemic has accelerated behaviors that were emerging and growing, you know, whether it's lockdowns and stay-at-home directives. Um, you know, I'm based in Los Angeles, so I, I, I feel this personally. Um, those are driving a massive increase in broadband network usage um, in a large part by entertainment. Um, and the pace of change has accelerated both in velocity and increased in trajectory. You know, in speaking with industry peers um, that provide video services to companies, you know, large and small across the world, they've told me that the last year has been extraordinary. You know, many of them have shifted into an accelerated growth mode. Um, and they're also challenged by the need to drive efficiencies while needing the scale to take advantage of demand. Um, you know, I've heard, um, you know, statistics, they've said they've seen three times to 10 times increases in usage um, as you know, all of us are normalizing to this new set of behaviors for working from home, educating from home and entertaining from home. And one executive um, even stated that they achieved a multi-year growth goal in less than 12 months. So companies must streamline their existing operations and costs. They need to invest in building platforms that can seamlessly handle these unpredictable uh, demands by consumers. Um, but they also need to derive insights from their data to drive audience engagement, retention, and monetization. And so with, with Google Cloud, companies are transforming their entire media value chain. 
Um, they're streamlining their workflow productions and content management. They're modernizing their infrastructure and distribution channels, and they're optimizing the monetization outcomes through data and artificial intelligence. And all of these efforts work together to strengthen the direct to consumer relationship. In the content production workflow, you know, this means enabling distributed and remote workforces that must collaborate in real time to create complex and compute intensive creative works. This also means taking existing content archives, whether on film, digital or tape and moving them to the cloud. And the data footprint for an individual title can grow to petabytes. And depending on the retention guidelines, this could be up to a hundred years, you know, as per the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. But archiving isn't simply about preservation, it's about unlocking value through access and AI. In the distribution workflow, this means enabling the scalable and efficient distribution of content, uh, whether in the traditional one-to-many model of broadcast or the one-to-one -one model of streaming. And you know, today's session will focus on this direct-to-consumer OTT distribution uh, use case. And across all the different areas, right, once content and processes are, are cloud enabled, companies can leverage the power of AI and ML to unlock, extend, and personalize the real-time content experience for consumers. Now, Google has been a cloud-first company for over 20 years. You know, our entire DNA is about you know, planet scale and direct-to-consumer experiences. And we're bringing that to our media customers. You know, Google Cloud, while you know, newer than some of the consumer services you're accustomed to from Google, it's continued to show strong growth. And at Google Cloud, we're transforming to help our customers transform. We've developed a broad set of core compute, storage, and networking products and solutions and we've oriented ourselves to key industries, including, of course, you know, media and entertainment. And this focus enables us to optimize our offerings, to bring forth the technical expertise and operational knowledge from serving billions of users each day. And we've pioneered the application of AI and ML and analytics to our own business. And we believe that this is a transformative enabler for all media companies. And recognizing the demand for our cloud technology in many different parts of the world and from global customers, we've broadened our regional footprint. You know, we're live in 24 regions and 73 zones globally, allowing us to serve customers in over 200 countries. But for us, infrastructure is more than about moving you know, bits and, and crunching bytes. Our compute resources are designed to provide custom instant sizing to support sustained use discounting and to operate massive workloads at scale, um, such as pushing the bounds of Kubernetes engine to support 240,000 CPUs across 15,000 nodes in a single cluster to enable agricultural research and development for one of our customers. And for us, storage is about ensuring high availability Know, multi-regional capabilities that provide scale, performance, and resilience across a variety of storage and data processing workflows. But when you think about how customers can leverage GCP, there are kind of three cloud approaches and three development approaches. You know, from a cloud perspective, you know, companies can adopt single cloud, multi-cloud, and hybrid cloud. And for us, um, these are all valid for you know, transformation um, and adopting the cloud. As every company is in a different phase of transformation, and they must optimize for a varying set of factors, whether it's you know, people, processes, you know, time or cost. You know, our view is not to make companies choose between cloud providers or choose cloud versus on-prem. We believe it's about the flexibility and the options to scale the business. And so from a development point of view, there are three approaches that we see. And we, we call these kind of build on, build with, and integrate with. And so media companies that have the technical resources, product, engineering, and operations, and the domain expertise, 
Um, these are what we call builders. Um, they are content companies and they have invested in hiring, retaining, and maintaining the technical skill sets for their teams. And now, honestly, this isn't always easy. You know, it takes top-down alignment um, to work in this fashion. But you'll see these companies um, because they're participating in standards bodies. They're adopting new technology innovations. They're contributing you know, to open source projects to benefit the wider industry and they're collaborating to solve hard problems together. And they're even developing their own product and engineering methodologies. You know, for these companies, um, you know, they've made a decision to quote, build on GCP, to build workflows and services on the core infrastructure that provides you know, the foundational services for you know, compute, storage, and networking. But most importantly, you know, they've had to decide where they want to invest um, their core resources for innovation and differentiation and which areas are more commoditized and they can leverage third parties. Um, for the most part, they build. You know, we've had uh, companies that have even adopted Google's practices of SRE or site reliability engineering. And in short, you know, this really separates the core development of a product from the operations of a product. You know, SRE team members, they have the same level of technical development depth, um, but they oriented themselves to running services in production, measuring risk through data, and ultimately embracing the fact that systems do fail. And it's really about how to manage that risk. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you have companies that are really looking to quote, integrate with GCP. And in this case, they've got limited resources or limited time, and they're more comfortable with using just software as a service or managed service providers effectively as almost outsourcers. And these companies, well, they're often sacrificing control and flexibility for speed. And they're very comfortable in these pure OPEX models. Now there is an in-between, and, and this is where many companies sit. Um, they're also builders, but they decide to what we call build with GCP. They're using GCP as a platform as a service, um, taking advantage of many of our core services, horizontal solutions, vertical solutions, but most importantly for the build with customers, we don't do it alone. And so to meet the unique needs of the customers, we must provide those open and flexible solutions that combine best in class capabilities. And this is where we lean on our ecosystem of technology partners that help augment and accelerate us. And these are the technology partners that provide critical capabilities that run on GCP and enable differentiated functionality that can leverage the infrastructure advantages of performance, scale, you know, resilience, and cost effectiveness. So this is really where uh, we see our partnership with ATEM and why it's critical for customers that are turning up OTT services in the cloud. And so to give you more details about the offerings and the use cases and how customers use them, um, I'll hand it back over uh, to Andy and Atem. Thanks, Albert. Yeah, just throw the controls back here. And we have a poll coming up, right? Yeah, I'm going to do a quick poll here, folks. Let's see. Just curious to see what the, uh, the audience uh, has in terms of plans, maybe potentially to actually uh, move to the cloud. And I think this one is a little bit more general, right? It's, it's not specifically uh, OTT services. It could be so anything just, related to the uh, video processing and delivery. Yep, so we just, just launched the poll. When do you plan to start using cloud and production for video processing and delivery? Um, so we'll give it about a minute, let everybody answer, and then we'll share the results and uh, lead into your uh, presentation, Yana. Yep. So I'll... Uh, and I'll give you remote control. Thank you. Okay. Well, <clears throat> thanks, thanks, Albert, also for the uh, uh, that uh, that overview. So, um, well, we'll uh, don't hesitate indeed to interrupt. You know, whenever we get uh, maybe enough results for the uh, for the poll. But uh, I'll, I'll briefly start start here at least. No, here, um, here we go. I'm going to share the poll now quickly. Okay. So let's share let's the see. results. Mm, okay, interesting. So, so uh, looks like we've got a lot of responses that it's going to be pretty short term that people are starting to move at least portions of production uh, into the cloud. 
yep. sort of an yeah. answer I guess we would we would expect, but maybe a little higher than I even thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like as the majority is actually now, it's happening now, and I think well, some of the reasons uh, uh, could be, you know, due unfortunately to what's what's happening in the in the world over the past year. Uh, I mean, uh, in general, it's definitely not really great for. Uh, for the people, but in terms of the industry, that's sure that definitely brought up uh, uh, actually new opportunities, let's say. Definitely. So yeah, it's definitely almost short term. I mean, even the six to 12 months, which which is almost tomorrow. Um, good thing. So let's oh, just wanted yeah. to actually go a little bit over, uh, you know, in uh, uh, OTT. Uh, workflow, right? Uh, here we are uh, turning up OTT services in the cloud. Uh, so again, here it's definitely a high level, uh, simplified, uh, uh, traditional OTT workflow. So first, right, uh, OTT uh, stands for over the top. Uh, and But what does that mean? It, it's really mean, and I think Albert anyway touched, touched on it uh, for sure, is the fact that you know, a brand, whatever, being, being, you know, content owner, service provider, wherever, broadcaster, is going to actually deliver uh, video content directly through the public internet. So the main difference maybe with traditional uh, media is that it actually bypasses the, uh, those media networks, like, you know, your cable, maybe your, your podcast, your, your satellite TV, so that, Ultimately, the viewers, so you know, we lose playback devices on the on the right sides. They they can access the content they choose uh, from anywhere and wherever they want, uh, because it's over as long as there is you know a device an internet connection, then that's it. They are <laughs> they're connected and they can uh, consume this this content. So let's let's have a quick look at the at the workflow first. Here is. Well, obviously, left side, you have your acquisition, uh, which uh, being actually your broad assets or your linear feeds, uh, and they're all ingested into your uh, video processing pieces. Uh, so again, really high level here, but you know, maybe for about the transcoder, encoder, uh, that actually creates uh, those, those ABR format uh, uh, and that are packaged and ultimately delivered uh, uh, through through the CDN, so some of the interesting aspect of the OTT is the uh, the ABR I think uh, that, that that is that stands actually for adaptive bitrate, uh, right? So it's different profile. So what it is, it's it's actually used to um, deliver that that video content in actually the most efficient way possible, uh, and also in the highest quality uh, possible for a specific user. Um, because it's, it's actually solving two problems, uh, the quality of the content, uh, as well as the buffering. I'm sure we've all experienced, right? <laughs> that is, there was a circling uh, uh, um, buffer to show that you're waiting to, uh, to actually get the next piece of content. So with ABR, we, uh, we have that. So uh, quality, again, we create multiple profiles uh, and and, and then uh, uh, that are adapted for each of the screen size, for example, uh, that you're targeting. Uh, uh, and the buffering, you know, as you know also, if you have a small piece of file being a video content, it's gonna be always downloaded faster than actually a larger one. Uh, so having multiple profiles, again, a high quality, medium, you know, lower up to uh, you know, three, five profiles, uh, then, then you could solve the, uh, both the quality, whenever it's possible, you get the best one, uh, but also your buffering, because then there's adaptation according to, uh, to your network. Um, so anyway, and it, it goes, as I may briefly mention, right on your delivery box, so the, uh, the origin uh, and, and the CDN uh, uh, to the playback devices. And, and I think that's one interesting point uh, for the OTT is, is those devices, because there's really a wide range today uh, of devices uh, that works for OTT, you know, it's your, your laptops, actually what I'm using here, you know, your smartphones, tablets, smart TVs, gaming devices, you know, and, and, and more. But what is interesting is all those devices allows you actually to reach uh, more customers, more viewers, uh, and, and I think ultimately, uh, obviously, uh, increase your, your revenue. Um, 
there's two flow. I mean, on, the, on that uh, uh, diagram, right, you got uh, uh, as part of the acquisition, but uh, your, your VOD assets. So there is in the OTT services, you know, VOD streaming, uh, which is one, uh, one workflow, let's say, that could be combined also with, uh, with linear streaming. Um, so uh, in the VOD, as we said, usually uh, it's when, when a brand uh, you know, offers a catalog, right? There's a catalog of content that the end user can directly uh, browse, download or stream directly uh, uh, to watch. Uh, and, and on top of that, there is usually TV uh, and DVR-like features, you know, like your trick play, the fast forwarding, the rewind, uh, as well as additional features, as recommendation, the closed captioning, everything to actually improve your, uh, the viewer experience. Um, and then on the uh, uh, example, right, I'm sure everybody, you know, there's also different business model, I'm not going to really go through them, but at least you know, uh, uh, the advertising, which is the one we see maybe the, the most in the, uh, in the market uh, with the, uh, the subscription, that's the two main one. Uh, you know, advertising, you can think of maybe a YouTube, right? It's, it's actually a perfect uh, example, I think, for the, we call the AVOD, the advertising uh, VOD, where, you know, you can access free content, uh, uh, but as part of that uh, content, you usually have a, a advertisements, you know, free rolls, post rolls. Um, and then the other uh, ways of uh, VOD workflows is, is the uh, subscription one, uh, where actually, uh, uh, well, user write an exchange of, uh, of a fee, monthly, uh, whatever, uh, recurring fee can, uh, can access also the, uh, the contents. And I think the most uh, famous example everybody know to understand that workflow uh, uh, is, is Netflix. There are others like, you know, maybe a transactional, like a TVOD, transactional VOD, uh, you know, like, uh, like you buy, um, you know, iTunes, for example, uh, content just on, on demand. But um, so that was one piece. Uh, then the, you got your linear, right? Uh, so again, still used, uh, I think today, uh, uh, you know, you can think of uh, uh, sporting events. Uh, you see the past year was definitely a bit tough on, the, on that business. Uh, but but also your, your news, right? All that uh, is, is part of uh, maybe the, the live streaming uh, uh, workflow. And, and then the rest, right? The processing distribution is the same as, as the blog. As I mentioned, it's, it's simplified. You know, I just really just touched there, you know, the DRM on, on, the, on the diagram, but, uh, you know, you can have a little bit more complex workflow. Uh, I didn't really go into detail there, but, you know, with maybe your, your quality control for the, uh, 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 your VOD, uh, quality check, uh, you know, some edits, uh, you can even have a playout uh, as part of this workflow, CMS. And I think one that is interesting is the, uh, everything that is related to digital ad insertion. Uh, so that, that fits more in the video processing box uh, you see there, uh, right? When you have uh, your ad decision server, uh, maybe your playlist manipulator. So it goes in actually video processing as well as origin delivery. Because uh, then that, that helps uh, create a targeted ad insertion or you know, personalized TV, those kind of workflow. Um, so now you go spend a little bit of time there, but uh, we've kind of uh, situated uh, what, what's, what's an OTT service. Uh, I just wanted to actually look at uh, uh, some, some numbers, right, uh, uh, that will illustrate the importance of, of the OTT market. Uh, so, okay, first one, right? It's uh, um, just show that there was between Q3 uh, uh, 2019 and the Q3 of, uh, of last year, there was an increase. Uh, and, you know, Albert definitely also mentioned that there's, there's in other session as well, there's uh, about 57% growth, uh, uh, more streaming uh, done uh, globally, so across the globe, with every continent actually enjoying either double or even triple digit, like in APAC, um, Oceania, exactly. Uh, so some of it definitely due to the, uh, uh, the pandemic, uh, unfortunately. But ultimately, it, it's not just that. It was, and it is, uh, a continuing growth and a continuing trend that we've seen from multiple quarters before that. 
uh, of that growth. Um, so in the US, it's 51%, I think. Uh, uh, but that's still about, uh, actually in North America, it's 51. Uh, but the US has about like 70 million US homes that are using OTT services. Um, so it's, it's not a small market. As you can see the next one, the prediction, right, is it's gonna go over 65 billion uh, in, in two years from now. Uh, so that's, that's pretty, uh, uh, pretty big. Um, last one was, uh, uh, I think, interesting. Okay, we've seen that one. The last one was actually from the uh, uh, Roku study. Uh, and I think that's the interesting one. Uh, it's, it's only a prediction, that's true. Uh, but it actually predicts that, uh, well, about 60 million TV households are expected to access video on their TV exclusively through streaming in the next five years. So if this happens, actually for the first time ever, the streamers will actually surpass the traditional pay TV viewers. So again, all of those numbers really just to uh, put in context that OTT streaming is, is growing. Uh, it's definitely a market that uh, any brands maybe should join uh, and, and offer actually their own OTT service. Um, but here that all workflow that I've shown so far uh, is traditional way, so it's on-prem, right? So that means, you know, whoever, again, that brand, you know, being broadcaster, content owner, service provider, need to purchase all of those equipments. Uh, so all the servers, the storage, uh, and then on top of that, you put all the uh, uh, service people, operating people, uh, you know, the data center, uh, the power cooling, I mean, all that, that actually can become pretty costly. Uh, and also complicated to actually launch uh, an OTT service. So that's where the, um, uh, the cloud and, and, and moving that workflow into the cloud uh, uh, would eliminate some of those drawbacks. So there's a little delay and feedback on my side. But next one is, uh, is about uh, uh, the same workflow, but actually running in the cloud uh, with a combination of uh, um, a TEM solution, right? Still providing the premium video quality that uh, people are, are used to uh, with, uh, or, or Titan uh, software uh, and running on a GCP infrastructure. Do you want to drive Andy if you want? And then- Yeah, do you want me to go back and- uh... Yeah, and I'll let you know when, uh, when uh, you can move the slides. I don't have that many. <laughs> so that should be straightforward. So thanks. Um, so yeah, here. As I mentioned, uh, same workflow, uh, but running in the, uh, in, in the cloud, in GCP cloud. So leveraging that infrastructure, you know, like the object storage. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the one before. Did I go one ahead? Yeah, just one back. And that would be perfect. The same, same workflow, but in the cloud. Yeah, thank you. I'll uh, try to accelerate a little bit, actually. Also for sake of time, but yeah, so leveraging, you know, object storage, uh, compute resources, all the things that uh, uh, Google has to uh, to offer. Uh, even I think interesting one, the, the GKE, right? Uh, the the uh, Google Kubernetes engine. So all that can actually be leveraged to deploy a linear channel in a matter of minutes. Uh, so why is that? I think in the other session, uh, keynotes earlier this morning, and then in the next one around the, uh, the cloud, you know, there is, uh, the fact that uh, uh, the attempt solution are based on the fully microservices architecture. Uh, so, you know, it runs in container and it's managed by an orchestrator. Uh, so all that uh, bring operational value, uh, right? You can automate this deployment using Cloud Deployment Manager from, from Google, using all the tools, platform, whatever, um, and also help you actually deploy this application really in a consistent manner. It's the same one that you maybe tested in lab, and, and it's uh, uh, the same that's gonna be run. You know it's gonna work the same way in your uh, production environment. Um, and then, you know, the microservices architecture briefly because it's small components, right? So it's usually mainly uh, based, I mean, uh, focus on, on one scope, one, one feature, one action. Uh, so whenever you wanna do upgrades, also you can just upgrade that piece, that component. Uh, uh, so that brings also agility. Um, helps you also when there's new features, new technologies, uh, you can also deploy those uh, faster in, in, in your workflow. Uh, 
So one point actually, uh, and that was the use case that we'll, uh, we'll go briefly over after is uh, uh, with GCP, you know, customer can also leverage custom instances. So when you put the Titan software on top of a, a, of a GCP compute, uh, you can really tell her the usage needed according to your service, right? For number of video profiles, resolution, all those aspects are gonna need require a specific number of vCPU. Uh, 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 with the custom instance type that exists on GCP, then you can really uh, choose uh, what is needed and pay for what you actually use. Uh, again, that example uh, is uh, we have a, a common customer that uses actually 18 vCPU. Um, so it's optimized uh, for their workflow uh, and they only pay for 18. If you were to maybe go to other clouds, you know, they would have, might have to choose between the 16 vCPU or 32 vCPU. Um, so we either not have enough uh, or you would have to pay for uh, way more than, than actually you, uh, you're using. Um, so we'll, we'll go to uh, 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 the next one to, to look at the, the multiple uh, use cases actually. And, um, and one of them, I mean, content owner, we can use that, just use this as an example, just to also show some of the benefits, right? From, uh, uh, from actually moving to the cloud or launching in the cloud. Um, we'll see you can actually move indeed or, or even starts directly from, uh, from, from, from the ground up. Uh, content owner, right? Uh, maybe you're a content owner that don't have usually a little bit less resources uh, than maybe a service provider. They might not really want to invest uh, heavily also in something that they're not sure if it's going to work, right? Uh, sometimes if it's only maybe for uh, uh, one channel, uh, well, you know, is it really worse actually deploying everything on-prem? So launching it in the cloud directly, uh, first, uh, uh, they can do that really quick, really fast. So that's a faster time to market, right? To, to get that service out. Uh, and they don't really have to take a lot of risk, financial risk. Uh, you know, it doesn't work. They don't have maybe the number of subscribers or viewers that they expect over a certain period of time then they can just turn it off and, and, and that's it. They don't end up with a pile of uh, uh, servers and, and softwares and licenses that, that they have to, uh, uh, to, to, to amortize. Uh, other use case here is uh, maybe uh, uh, for the disaster recovery. Uh, some of them have some, uh, some of them not, but uh, uh, if they have, it could be directly on-prem on today, uh, which is almost never really used. Uh, so, and it requires again, pretty big investment uh, at, at first. Uh, if you actually do that disaster recovery in the cloud, uh, you only deploy it uh, and, and within, within minutes, right? It's gonna be deployed. And then you're only gonna uh, uh, pay for it when you use it. So if you never really use your disaster recovery, you might just pay a minimum fee to have some pilot stuff uh, still running clouds, but that's pretty much it. It's definitely, uh, uh, better overall uh, uh, cost management. Uh, another one, right? If you the, the offloading uh, use case, if you're talking about uh, uh, maybe a VOD uh, workflow, transcode usually. Um, so you dimension size your uh, uh, on-prem uh, solution for uh, uh, for a certain amount, and if you have some spikes or urgent tasks to do then you can actually offload those directly into a, into a cloud. Um, so that's another use case, another advantages. Um, the last one, uh, as I mentioned, right, you can also start from the ground up uh, directly in the cloud. And that's what usually those uh, virtual MVPD uh, do, right? Because, well, they don't really have any incumbent infrastructure that, that they own. And, and they maybe want to launch also uh, quickly. So they're all pretty much uh, uh, digital. So Launching that uh, OTT service in the cloud is, uh, uh, is a good use case uh, uh, for them. Um, minimum upfront, uh, you know, they, they lower their actual uh, uh, cost of ownership, the TCOs. Um, and, and that's the use case. So on the next slide that I just wanted to uh, 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 briefly highlight uh, because it is, uh, you know, the common Customer that we have again with uh, with GCP, one of them at least, uh, uh, with an attempt that uh, just to show here. Uh, I know we're more on the technical here. It's 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 a use case, but just to highlight that how fast also 
uh, that that customer went from launching their service, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, and where they are now, you know, in terms of the growth of number of channels, obviously, so services that they do, um, and then uh, number of subscribers. Uh, they were actually the first one uh, as as a live uh, TV streaming service to to support the uh, the 4K HDR with with Latem, uh, and it was back in 18, that's what it's highlighted in the graph uh, that was for the, uh, the World Cup. Um, so if you click next, we'll get a little um, overview of that, uh, or, you know, highlight numbers of that company. Uh, you know, that's uh, just to show that they're actually not a, a, a big one, right? Uh, and they still uh, make over like 250 million uh, revenue uh, for last year. And those actually, it's about, 80, 80 plus, 82% that are from subscribers directly. So that's, that's a, you know, subscription service. Uh, and then 11 or so uh, are coming from advertising. Uh, so that's a good way, right, to, uh, and the monetization, we have other session around that, uh, maybe not specifically in the clouds, but the, for the monetization pieces, you know, also mixing maybe and, and, and having workflows where you support uh, digital ad insertion uh, definitely can bring revenue. Um, and then the rest, I think they also can sub-license their, their broadcast rights. Um, but yeah, again, small one. And they, you know, chose that and on GCP. So remember the 18 vCPU that I briefly talked earlier? That's, that's, that's their use case, uh, you know, tailored. Again, some of the uh, 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 reasons, uh, you know, uh, of, of what Atom uh, was able to uh, to provide them, you know, pure software solution. So you see that allows to really run in the cloud, still keeping our, our premium visual experience, right, which is in with the core business of, of Atem, uh, you know, with all the HDR flavors, the 4K. Uh, and then we're working together, you know, the same way that we're working with, with Google, with our partners, it's it's really a, a, a partnership with them when, when they need for the content monetization, you know, have specific requirements for the uh, the tags and some of the OTT formats, then then we work with them to uh, to develop. So, uh, quick on the on the next one, um, you know, I think one of the uh, and even you can uh, uh, move to the next because that was the workflow we saw, and then what's interesting here is how do you ingest? I wanted to briefly touch base, even though again I'll let you maybe uh, look on the. Uh, 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 internet for for more uh, information on on those, or, you know, reach out to us obviously. But we, one of the questions we have when we turn away is my my test in the cloud. It's really around linear, right? If it's VOD, obviously you can do file transfer. Technologies uh, out there, but in terms of linear cost support, it and allows to uh, uh, content wherever it's coming from into, uh, into cloud environments. Uh, and there is technology is right with Titan uh, software uh, to with support all the main one. Again, you see this number SRT, the uh, secure reliable transport. Uh, uh, and uh, RIST. So all of those are available directly in, uh, uh, in the ATEM uh, solution. Um, just to, Briefly finished, so we have time actually for, for Q&A. The, the last slides I wanted is really, as Andy mentioned earlier, you know, are we kind of uh, uh, um, coming back from the clouds? I would say probably not, because you know, sample of the reasons here, right? The cloud offers uh, the, the, that scalability, right? So if you have, want to provide more services if you have more subscribers or more channel formats whatever that is usually if you were on prime well you need to actually put more resources here this the cloud is going to scale uh, uh, pretty much automatically for you um, automation so the ability right to uh, to deploy all your workflow as we said right today you can deploy an ott channel uh, depending on the complexity and, and how many partners and, and uh, you have but uh, it's it's pretty fast in a matter of, of well, technology-wise minutes. And obviously you need uh, a little bit more with, with all uh, uh, your, your, your players and everything, but really in a matter of days, you can have uh, an OTT services actually publicly available. Um, you know, the uh, uh, 
the repeatability or replicability, right? That's hey, it's if you want to enable multiple uh, regions or, or different markets, you exactly do it the same way, thanks to uh, uh, to the cloud, the way that it's architecture. You know, I briefly mentioned about uh, microservices, the containers, um, and then the high availability. There's a lot of redundancy uh, that is uh, available well, through orchestration layer, uh, through uh, directly actually the the cloud architecture itself. Uh, at the ATEM application layer as well. Um, and, and ultimately, another you know, advantage is the agility, right? As, as I said earlier, we're really in a fast moving world today. Uh, well, a little bit less moving <laughs> uh, recently, but still, it, it, it's still in terms of technology, it's, it's actually changing, evolving, right? And if you have new format, uh, new uh, codec also, uh, whatever, right? That's uh, you need to uh, you want to um, uh, to leverage. Then also in a cloud environment, you can actually enable those uh, pretty fast. That's that's the agility aspect here. You don't have to wait months, month uh, uh, to get to get a new release. Um, so all those advantages here that we see, uh, you can actually benefit by launching that that OTT services in the, in the cloud. And and they are not the future. They are available right now, right? Thanks to well, a temp solution uh, or expertise, and as well as the cloud provider like uh, like Google uh, Cloud Platform, when when you can run on it. So I'll get back to you, Andy, for hopefully some uh, uh, some questions. Yeah, let's let's jump in a few Q and A here. We have about five minutes. Got a question here, I think, probably for Albert, and it was. Let's say, is Google working with traditional TV packager, packagers also to provide OTT content? Yeah, and, and yeah, I'll try to address that kind of, I guess, very broadly speaking. I mean, I would say not just within cloud, but, you know, Google, you know, as a whole, we have a lot of different uh, uh, groups that, that work either with standards bodies, open source projects, um, and provide direct-to-consumer, um, you know, services. Um, you know, specifically within television and broadcast, you know, we work with many partner ISV uh, partners, as well as with broadcasters themselves that are trying to transform. So I would say as a whole, um, it, it's very likely that, you know, we have uh, worked with that or worked on behalf um, of that, uh, that group and those standards, um, but in, um, not able to call out any, anything in particular that, that I can say, you know, publicly, but, um, certainly, I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, groups within uh, the company um, have have worked with broadcasters on um, addressing those standards. Okay, thanks, Albert. Appreciate that. Um, here's here's another good question. I think, and uh, we touched on on a few spots, but what are some of the major issues that will impact, you know, total cost of operations when deciding between on-prem uh, versus a cloud? You want to take a first shot at that, Yannick? Sure. Um, well, actually, we've 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 done some studies, and, and not only us, but there, there is. I think it's clear that the the TCO of running in the cloud is actually not more than if you were to run uh, uh, on prem. Uh, uh, if you take you know over uh, three years period, let's say, you know, it, it's it's definitely the same. Uh, however, there is a the big difference is that you know if if you uh, go on prem, you have all that capex, right? You have to bring get all your servers, as we mentioned, all your hardware in general, uh, and also the, uh, the the time to market. Uh, that's gonna you know take you maybe a couple of months, right, to to be able to uh, to launch your service. Uh, whereas in in the cloud, that that ROI is actually uh, way better because you can generate revenue right away. Uh, Again, you have less cost up front. Also, you can you can deploy fast and and have an ROI ROI uh, right there. Yeah, one one calculation trap that that I've seen uh, with some companies is that when they calculate the TCO, <laughs> they do it on a per workload basis, and so they evaluate one workload and they say, well, what if that one workload moved to the cloud, but everything else was on premise, and they do the math and it. You know, it doesn't look great. They go to the next one, and they do this really independently versus holistically 
looking at what does it mean to transform the business? It's almost like uh, what, what a uh, company said, they're renovating a hundred year old house. Well, if you, if you do the renovations bit by bit, the kitchen, the uh, appliances, the windows, and you calculate all of that independently, it's not really going to be great versus being able to think about what if you were able to transform the entire house and what are the advantages and optimizations. And really what we're seeing with customers, and I think in you know, this, this is something that you pointed to with that joint customer, when you think about the TCO, it's not about where you are today, right? It's, it's where you want to be three years from now, five years from now. And that also means it's not about your existing customers. It's about your next 100,000 consumers, your next million, 10 million. And with some companies, it's the next 100 million. And so you, you need to be able to think about TCO in the cloud from the ability to support that growth. Yep. Good answer. Yeah, I agree. Any last, we're, we're pretty much out of time here. So we'll try to keep everybody on schedule here. We're about a third of the way through here around the track on the 24 hours of a TEM. Any last comments, uh, Albert or Yannick? My last comment, and this kind of goes back to, uh, I think how uh, Yannick wrapped up, which is, you know, when companies think about how do they um, adopt the cloud, what options they take, it's really about where do you want to put your focus, right? What are the things that you want to optimize for? And specifically with media transcoding and processing and delivery, the question is, do you as a company want to build that expertise, right? And understand all the bits um, and standards and codecs and advertising and color formats, not just on day one, but day 1000, right? Do you want to be an expert in that or do you want to leverage best in class like attempt and get there within minutes? And so that's a conversation that we always have with customers too, in terms of where they want to put their effort. Yeah, I just want to thank both of you for participating. It's been a great session and, uh, uh, any other sessions? Well, I think we've got most to most of the questions, but uh, once again, thank you. Now we are at the end of the seventh podcast. If you would like to find out more, you can go to the atom.com website or follow us on LinkedIn. Next time we will cover solving the cloud DVR challenge. Don't miss out.